truth is, I believe that we as parents probably create 85% of the power struggles. It's our own control issues, our own anxiety. We see our kids messing up and we jump down their throats. You know what? How many times have I told you, you don't talk to your mother like that? You better. And that almost always backfires on us. So I'd like you to, I encourage you, just try not fixing it. Observe the situation. We as men, we do what works. We're pretty practical. So I was like, okay, this is working. My son's actually following my lead when I control myself. I can do more of that. Welcome to the Fathers of Greatness podcast. We are creating a community of men, fathers, and husbands who are pursuing greatness and refusing average. It is up to us to change the future, and it starts at home. Welcome to another episode of the Fathers of Greatness podcast. Today, I'm very, very excited to talk to Kirk Martin, who is the owner of CelebrateCalm.com. And Kirk's podcast is one that I've been tuning into a lot lately, and it's really resonated, especially with being a father of four boys. And Kirk has an amazing track record. He deals, he, he has helped almost 1 million parents uh, understand their children better and dealing with children that are defiant or strong-willed, as he calls it. He had one himself, so he's actually walked it. He doesn't just talk the talk. And he delivers his message with compassion, very practical strategies. So Kirk, welcome to the podcast. Very excited to chat with you today. Joseph, psyched to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Excellent. So one of the cool things I noticed and learned quickly about you is that your strong-willed, defiant child, uh, imagine that, he grew out of it, right? And now works with you to reach a lot of parents. So tell us a little bit about that journey that you walked through as a as a young parent and kind of how your son walked through that with you to be the man that he is today. So my my dad was also the father of four boys, but he was a career military guy. So he knew the fear and intimidation, my way or the highway approach. And that's what I was raised with. So when we started family, it was like, well, that's how you parent, right? Like my dad did it this way. Just intimidate the kid. He'll listen. It'll work out great. And then we had Casey and Casey was one of those strong willed kids that just comes out of the womb with boxing gloves on. Like he did from the time he was born, he just fought everything. Always wanted to do it his way. We went the consequences route. And as you've probably found, consequences don't always work with strong-willed kids because they don't care. They just don't right. care. It's frustrating. Right. So I spent the first probably nine years of his life thinking, I just need to change him. Like, and I would, I would talk to God and I'd be like, hey, why'd you give me this kid? You need to change him because he's not doing it right. And then I finally had a little bit of an epiphany of, well, what if you, what if I were to change? And so as I began to change, I noticed my son began to change. I changed my tone of voice. I changed, you know, uh, got control of my own emotions because I, I would escalate everything with my son. And that kind of started us on this journey of really understanding how do strong will kids think about the world? How do they approach life? How do they... Um, how, how do their hearts work? Because they're just different kids. So what we ended up doing was started changing within our family, changed my relationship with Casey. And then we started inviting these kids into our house because I had this idea of like, why don't we take all these strong-willed kids and kids on a spectrum? We'll have them in our house and we'll teach them how to control their own emotions and control their impulses. And we did that for about a decade and had about 1,500 kids in our home. And so it was a really cool transformation, but it wasn't really about the kids. It was, it caused me to grow up because I was surrounded by like 10 difficult kids every day. Sure. And I had to figure out how do I actually control my own emotions? Like when these kids are pushing my buttons, which they're really good at doing, how do I keep from freaking out? And so we did that for a long time. And then um, for the last 20 years, we've been doing more speaking, podcasting. And now Casey's actually 30. So and I'm sure this is what you're seeing with your kids. All those traits that irritated us when he was a little kid are the very traits that make him really successful now. So that wow. that strong wow. will that caused him to be such a pain and frustrating when he was a kid, 
Now he puts that into action and he's a, he's a killer. And he, he works at another job besides working for me. He's a killer. He's awesome. And people yeah. love him for those traits. And it's one of the things you see with your kids, all the things that irritate you when your kids grow, go out of your house, other people come and they're like, Joseph, your son, he's amazing. And you're like, it's not amazing in the house, but right. they're great out in the real world. So it, 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 I just always encourage parents, like, just be patient with it. They're not always going to be three or seven or 15. They change. Sure, sure. That's powerful. And I think the word that I would use for when they are young and bouncing off the walls or very loud or crazy or rambunctious is the word inconvenient. Right. As yeah. parents, we want convenience, we want order, we want obedience and all of the things, but it's just not reality. You know, when you become a parent, everything kind of goes out the window and you you get what you get. You know, we don't control the DNA or the the gifting or even the gender of our children. It is what it is. And it's up to us to guide that. So as you're working with Casey now and watching him as a man, you know, full-grown adult, what do you think the specific character traits were that were inside of him that came out as inconvenience that now you can see uh, in full bloom? Is that like leadership or hard work or what? For for the strong-willed kid parents that are listening, you know, they got to buckle up and hang on because there's there's better times coming. So what are those traits of those strong-willed kids that we can't see yet? I'd say I'll try to put it in terms of how we label it when they're little kids, right? Like, um, you know, strong-willed, obstinate, wants his own way, right? And it's because they have these ideas. It's like they're, they're kids, they wake up in the morning and they have an agenda. They have very strong opinions about how they want their day to go, how they want the world to work. They're often very kind of visionary kids, so they picture things in their brains. And that irritates us because as parents, we're like, hey, you got to get up. You got to get your schoolwork done. You got to get your chores done. Let's move. And we talked about this before. It's like, we want a five-year-old to be like us at 40, right? Like, I want to be disciplined, have a written list of what to get done during the day. And and I'm like, he's four or he's 14. He's right. not 40, right. right? And you were a dopey 14-year-old yourself. So, because we talked about this, men always have this... Um, kind of romantic thing of like our childhood of like how responsible we were because our parents were so tough and we were idiot kids too. And and despite our idiocy, we grew up into responsible people, but back to your question. So it was that thing with Casey of like, he had was like pig headed of like, no, I want to do it this way. Well, now that he's an adult that, that turns into this trait of being very, very responsible very, very um, good under pressure. Um, I kind of joke that Casey can handle conflict really well because he created so much of it as a wow. kid. Yeah. When in reality, the truth is, I believe that we as parents probably create 85% of the power struggles. It's our own control issues, our own anxiety. Um, definitely the leadership part, right? Of take charge. Um, from the time he was little, Casey didn't walk, he marched. And I and I used to teach him like a good dad, like you teach your kids. Hey, when you walk, you walk with a purpose. Well, he walks with a purpose. Sure. And so his side job now, this is kind of interesting. He just he started this little side job of um uh being a waiter in a catering company in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because he sure. just wanted to make some extra money. Well, guess what happens? Casey shows up early because he likes money. And I taught him, I taught him this, Joseph. It's a great life lesson. I said. From the first job he ever got, I said, you get there early and you ask your boss and say, I will do any job that nobody else wants to do. And that will guarantee you he won't make you do the bad jobs because he knows that you're willing and immediately you become seen as a leader. So even though he works full time for me, within three months, he asked to become a, a manager. And now he is actually the general manager of the largest catering company in Jackson Hole. And these are high profile, high money people. But the reason they like my son there is because he doesn't flinch. When these people come in and they're demanding, he knows how to talk to them, but he's good under pressure. 
and he knows how to direct people. He can handle all these different things coming into him. Could he sit still in class in third grade? No, he was, he was basically horrible as a kid and amazing as an adult. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I, I guess I'd wrap that up and say for the parents perspective, step back a little bit and say, okay, this is irritating me right now. One, I'd ask, why is it irritating you? It's probably your own trigger that you need to deal with. Two, I would look and say, okay, how can I use this trait for good? Instead of it letting me irritate that irritate me, how can I turn this into leadership? How can I teach my son how to use these traits? And that will set them up for life really well. I love that. That's that's excellent. And I bet you would never go back and and trade it, right? You wouldn't trade, obviously not now, but even in the moment, you know, for those listening that have a two, three, four-year-old that is, you know, a lot like Casey was, testing our patience, you know, testing the boundaries, um, not sitting still, not being quiet when you want them to, you know, there's a gift in there. And so the next question would be, you know, understanding that in 20 years, you know, this thing will come to fruition, maybe sooner, but, but during those years where you have a strong-willed child, you know, we don't want to just suffer through that, right? And just barely survive. We want to be able to process that in the best way we can. So for example, how do you talk to parents about like de-escalating a high-level situation, a chaotic situation, or kind of a meltdown, right? With your toddler. How do you how do you possibly handle that when everybody's melting down? The whole house is melting. What do we do as parents in that moment? Okay, I'll give you a couple things. I, if you don't mind, I'll give you two examples. The first thing that hit me was for dads. I'll get, this, this is going to kill you as a dad. It's going to go against everything you know. Just try this one simple thing for the next three days. You come home from work, whether you're out of the home or in your home office, you come into a chaotic situation. The the core thing is this, practice not fixing it. Like literally walk into the kitchen, walk into the living room. You're going to see all this stuff going on, all this chaos. You're going to want to fix it. Try this the next five times. Sit down in a chair in the kitchen in the living room and just observe. But intentionally don't fix it. Watch what's going on because I guarantee you half the time or most of the time we as men walk into the room and we escalate situations. How many times have I told you not go? And our wives are sitting there like, you're not making this better, right? You're making this worse. So I'll do a longer example. But for this week, walk into the room, sit, cross your legs, and simply observe the situation. Because part of what I want to do is, one, learn how to control my own emotions. I want to control my own anxiety. And I want to begin to become the giver of wisdom in my home. Because... The thing that's different, I think, a lot of times between moms and dads is moms want love. Like, I want my child to grow up and feel loved, and I want their love. And I was like, I don't need my son's love. I want him to respect me. Like, the number one thing for men is we want our kids' respect. And that makes us super sensitive. I always joke that we're kind of like NFL wide receivers. We get disrespected all the time. And I want to tell dads, like, your kids aren't just disrespecting you. They're just kids. And you're a grown man. So stop taking it so personally. right? But here's the noble part of men. The reason we want to be respected is this. Moms want their kids to grow up and feel loved. I want my son, my daughter to grow up and not make the same mistakes that I made. And so the reason I want my kids to respect me is so they listen and gain my wisdom so they don't go through the school of hard knocks. And so there's a lot. So what happens is we see our kids messing up and we jump down their throats. You know what? How many times have I told you you don't talk to your mother like that? You better. And that almost always backfires on us. So. I'd like you to, I encourage you, just try not fixing it. Observe the situation. And if you want a kind of a cool little tool, treat your kids or family situation almost like you handle situations at work. Because at work, you don't walk around just yelling at people. I mean, if you do, you're just a jerk, right? And your company's not going to grow a lot. You problem solve. 
And you figure out like, okay, sales are down. You don't start like, sales are down. Everybody's going to be fired unless sales. Like that's not how a good leader does it. So use your your guy leadership skills, right? Your, your, that's all the quarterbacks that we like in football are the guys who stay cool and calm under pressure because those wow. are the winners. And that's what I encourage you to do. So that's that's one goal I would say this week is practice actually not fixing it. Because sometimes, as you've seen, Joseph, if you give it a little time, the situations solve themselves. And then it gives me time to sit and ask questions, say, hey, looks like you're frustrated. Get that you're frustrated. What's going on? And you give your child a chance to say, mom won't let me do X or my brother took my cereal or my my Legos. And then you can say, okay, I get that. That's kind of frustrating. I'd want to pound your brother too. He just stole your Legos. You should be angry at him. But if you pound your brother, you're going to lose all your stuff. So what's our other option? And right. so I can begin teaching and I encourage men to know the word discipline means to teach. It doesn't mean to punish and yell and take out all of your anger because you hate your job you know, on your seven-year-old. It means to teach. And so in that moment, you can ask yourself, did I just punish my child? Did I just, in your words, Joseph, which was really awesome to admit, it's the inconvenience. Because I think what happens for men is the work world is easy for us. Like I can work 24 hours a day. I love my work. I like work. Give me a job. I'm good at it. Handling people's emotions and kids who leave crap all over the floor <laughs> and wives who have emotions, that's hard work because I don't right. know what to do. And so when I walk into my home and there's Legos on the floor and people didn't, not following directions, I tend to freak out and I try to control that situation to bring order to it. And so I just encourage men that, so we end up disciplining and it becomes inconvenient and we're just trying to get it to stop. You know what? Go to your room. And unfortunately, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with sending a child to his room, but it begins this pattern of you did something I didn't like that I can't handle. So mm. you go away from me. And for the parents whose faith is important to them, you're starting to model when you do something wrong, God gets mad at you and sends you away from him. And that's wow. not an awesome message to send. What I want to send is, oh, I can handle you at your worst. Joseph, something's going on with you. I've got the wisdom to help you. I've been through this before. Why don't we go throw the football around? Why don't we go for a walk? Why don't we run up to the store? I'll help you out with whatever you're struggling with. That's teaching. And it, it's just a cool way to de-escalate things. I love that. I love the analogy you used about an NFL quarterback being the leader of a team and the one that sets the tone. And I 100% agree with that, that fathers are the ones that are leading their family. That's what we're called to do. And a lot of what we do trickles down. You know, the way I've already noticed that the way I've corrected my now 13-year-old, he's now correcting my 11-year-old with the same wording, the same tone. And now I want to yell at my 13-year-old, don't talk to him that way. When I know he learned that from me. And so yeah. it's a huge eye-opener. I think the biggest thing that you would agree with with this journey is as fathers, we need to look in the mirror and be brutally honest with ourselves, with our emotions, with our triggers, how we were raised. And you talk about being able to handle high-pressure situation and if again, if we use an NFL quarterback as an analogy, you know, like you said, the ones that win the Super Bowls are the the you know top winners of of football, right? And so, in other words, we can handle parenting when it's sort of in the minor leagues, right? When it's easy or it's low risk. But I want to be the type of parent that can handle the highest pressure at the highest level. And so, <laughs> how do we do that, Kirk? I mean, we were raised how we were raised. And I think it is helpful to reflect on that. But if you have a father listening that really does react emotionally all the time, which I used to be, I'm gained a lot of ground, but I'm still, you know, work in progress. What is the, what is the journey that we need to go on 
what is the first step I should say to, and you gave a practical way, you know, for the next three days, when you get home, if there's chaos, sit there and and don't fix it. You know, that's great. But what is, what is the, is there a book? I mean, have you written a book for us? Like, how can you um, put us on that path to be able to become that calm, strong leader in our home? I, th- I think the first step is you, what you mentioned is realizing my job is not to control other people. Right. That was the big shift for me from I've got to control people in my life. I've got to control their emotions and their behavior. And when I finally got it through my head, there's one person in on the entire planet that I control can control at any one minute. And it's me. And then I learned this. The quickest way to change your child's behavior is to first control your own. And so I went full bore because I'm a guy. Right. And I'm motivated. And when I get a goal, I go for it. And my original goal as a dad was I'm going to control my son's behavior so well that he's a good kid and he grows up and he's responsible and I, I'm going to create a successful kid, right? I'm going to have him read, think and grow rich when he's nine. I'm going to have him like all that, right? Tim Ferriss, the right. four hour, whatever. I'm going to have him. And it just backfired on me because I was trying to make my kid into someone that he wasn't. And so this, that alone right there, I say, step one is realizing Put your energy, this to say for 30 days, next 30 days, focus on, I'm going to control my reactions. Start in the moments, um, really noticing what triggers you. So let's do, sure. do a sure. exercise. Write down your triggers. What's your trigger? So I'll do one for me. One of my triggers is uh, being late. I don't like being late. So guess what I had? A son who liked to dawdle. He was slow. He'd get up for school. Anything he did, he was slow. So what happens in my head? Because my dad was career military. So if you're not five minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. So that triggers anxiety in me. Casey, Casey, get up, get downstairs. And you can hear that tone that you start using. That's that anxious, controlling tone. Casey, come get. And as soon as I started recognizing that tone, that tone actually created the exact opposite response that I was looking for because I want him to hurry. And now he begins going more slowly and resisting because what he knows is when my dad's using that tone, it means he's getting emotionally out of control, which means it's not safe for me. He's going to drive really fast to school. He's probably going to flip people off in traffic on Sunday morning. Yeah, I know Sunday morning is like the worst morning for most families, like going to church. It's awful. It's all that anxiety. And so, so I would notice that and, um, that tone. So, so I started charting this out. My trigger is being late. Why? Because of the way my dad raised me, because I associate it with this. What would my dad think if my son is late all the time? What, what's going to happen at what in the future? If my son doesn't show up for a job on time, is he going to get fired? So all this weight of this is coming down. So then I diagram it. Okay. When I get triggered, I tend to get a, adopt a short tone and I get demanding with my son. Well, what's sure. the result of that? He tends to go more slowly. I tend to dig in more. You know what? If you don't get your butt down here in the next 30 seconds, you lose all your video games for the rest of the week. Well, then I amp up the consequences. What happens? He gets mouthy. What happens when my son gets mouthy? I get mouthy back. You know what? Watch your tone, young man. And every dad here has done that stuff. Don't beat yourself up for it. I, I, I don't do blame or guilt. I just, like you said, I'm brutally honest of how I dealt with it. And so what I noticed was what I was doing was backfiring. It was causing the exact opposite result that I wanted. So I began to practice with simple things. Okay, morning routine. What am I going to do differently with it? So here's a really cool tool, Joseph, that's kind of a shortcut for this. For the next week, do the opposite of what you'd normally do because what you're doing now isn't working. And I like to, um, but the truth is with dads is I'd say 80% of our clients are our moms. That's, that's who stays up late reading parenting books. That's who finds our podcast at two o'clock in the morning. I, I joke, I've never gotten a, uh, an email from a dad saying, you know, it's midnight and I'm just up worrying about my child, right? It's always a mom at two in the morning because men go to bed and then we forget that we have children, uh, but women never do. <laughs> right, so, right, right. In a way, right? Our, our right, wives right. bear this stuff 24 hours a day. So this whole this whole dynamic, I, I start to 
I, I just want to change that, how I see this whole situation and work on myself with my own anxiety and doing the opposite of what I normally do. And so now I get up and I connect with my son and I do the opposite. So here's a good one for the next week of what the opposite is. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, men will resist and say, oh, I don't need to change. And I was like, look, if your track record at work was like it is at home, you'd have been fired a long time ago. Like, right. just be honest, what you're doing right now isn't working. Your wife is all, uh, often caught in the crosshairs of it, right? Like I used to put my wife in this situation. Um, she had to try to manage Casey's emotions and make him behave so that when I came home from work, I would behave. And men are always like, oh, you're coddling our child. And the truth is our wives are coddling us because our wives wow. spend so much time, right? You really need to think that through because they spend so much time trying to get our kids to behave so that we don't blow up. Wow. Because, right? And so our wives coddle us because we're the ones who come home and like, why didn't he do his homework? Why does he leave Legos on the floor? And then you put your wife in this situation where she has to decide, well, do I protect my child? But if I protect my child and speak up to my husband, well, now I'm disrespecting his authority. And it's this really tough spot we put our wives in where she's like, what am I supposed to do here? Because I would come home and lay into Casey pretty hard. How are you ever going to be successful in life if you can't do this? All you ever do is is melt down and get upset about things. All these things I was saying to him were the very things I was actually doing myself. You can't control your own emotions. And I was like freaking out. Right. But then my wife was sitting there like, what am I supposed to do here? Because you're supposed to be the leader of the home and you're damaging, you're crushing my child's spirit. But if I speak up to you, especially in a lot of Christian world, it's like, can't speak up to your husband because he's like the Pope in the home. <laughs> Right. And, and so I want us as guys to realize, like, it's just not working. So I do the opposite. So I'm the quarterback who comes into the huddle and he takes a knee. The quarterback should tell, be telling everybody else, like, hey, you get down your knee in front of me. I'm Patrick Mahomes, even though he lost last night to the Packers. But I do the opposite. And so I sit down. I change my tone of voice. I go to an even matter of fact, business like tone. And I try some different things. So for dawdling with Casey, what I knew, noticed was if I connected with him, connection sometimes breeds more cooperation. Connection breeds compliance. So I go into his room and instead of barking at him, you know what? You got to be ready and we've got to leave in the next two and a half minutes. I just connect with him over something, something he was interested in and said, hey, on the way to school, I want to hear about that. What's that new video? I hate video games, but whatever it was, video game you're playing, or he was into blues music from a young age. So I was like, hey, I downloaded some really cool John Lee Hooker stuff. You get in the car next two and a half minutes, we'll blast that on the way to school. So I connect with him and I found, oh, this just works a lot better when I sit and I change my tone. And I think what you find, what you found, Joseph, is we as men, we do what works. We're pretty practical. So I was like, okay, this is working. My son's actually following my lead when I control myself. I can do more of that. So that's where I'd start with just working on your own anxiety, your own control issues, do the opposite for the next week, and just watch how it works. Humility is a powerful, powerful tool with a strong-willed child and with anybody. But if you go and ask your wife and say, hey, what's one thing I could begin doing differently with a strong-willed child? And listen to her. And then do it. And if it works, I guarantee you that will start transforming your family. Your wife has been watching this unfold probably for years. She's read all the books. She listens to our podcast every day. She tries to talk to you about it, but you won't listen because you're a guy. And I do tell women, don't try to make your uh, husband read a parenting book because men don't read parenting books. We just don't. I said, if you can get him to listen to like seven minutes of my podcast, We'll listen to a podcast. And that's why I, I love what you're doing, Joseph, because I think men, we are podcast listeners. So sure. this is a really effective um, tool. But do that one tonight. Go home and ask your wife that. I, we could end this podcast. If you just did that, I think for most of you, 
uh, most of the dads listening, that would be a huge win in your home. It'd be really cool. I agree 100%. This is really great. And I think one of the lies that men believe is that things like grace, humility, compassion are viewed as weakness, right? If you come home and the kids are running crazy and making a mess and disrespecting their mom and all of these things that they sort of rightfully so make us angry, right? Because they're not loving or respectful. The kids are are in the wrong. That That's not a question. But the question is, what would change this situation? And correction, discipline, yelling, bossing them around, as you're talking about, just simply doesn't work. And so what if the dad would come home and find the four-year-old that's having a meltdown and just pick him up, hug him, and just hold him and sit down and do something that they've never done before, right? There's some dads that that kid would be like shocked that their dad just hugged them and bent down and looked him in the eye and wiped their tears away and showed that kindness that a lot of men struggle with. You know, it, for some men, that is a struggle. And so I think one of the myths is that being that drill sergeant parent or father in this case is the respectable thing to do. I think the respectable thing to do and loving thing to do is to tap into that what we would consider weakness, but it's not, right? It's strength to be able to show your kid compassion, grace, humility, and love. So I 100% agree with that. And like you were saying earlier, how attractive would it be from a female's perspective to watch their husband step up their game, right? And start leading the family in a grace, compassion type approach instead of Mr. Mr. Drill Sergeant. So does that resonate with some of the men when you do talk to fathers? Is there this lie that we need to be these strong, powerful, commanding people? Yeah, I think it's the, um, and look, I would rephrase that and even say like, I can be the strong, commanding, powerful person by using humility, right? Like sure. that, that's sure. my more effective means to do that. It, it, it's kind of, I go back to the quarterbacks, but your court, best quarterbacks are not the cockiest guys all the time. They're kind of the humble leaders. That's who we want to follow. And so I'll, I'll give you a couple examples, Joseph, if, if this is okay, of like a softer approach and the tougher approach, right? Because you need both. But let's sure. say it is a little kid, a seven-year-old, and you come home. I love this for guys. And, and I did want to say this. You're going to feel justified. You will feel justified being angry and frustrated at your kids. There's no doubt that strong-willed kids are disrespectful times. They're defiant. They melt down a lot. So you should feel angry and frustrated. Being calm doesn't mean you become like some Zen master of like, oh, nothing bothers me. That would just be weird, right? Right. That's if you're drinking too much and we don't want that. So you're going to feel angry. You're going to feel all those things. But picture this. This is a cool one. So you've got a kid, you come home and your child's melting down, or even if he's not, sometime this week, come home from work and come in the house, call your kids to you, just say that, guys, you know what? I had a frustrating day at work. Traffic's frustrating. Man, you guys do do some push-ups with me. And this is if you have little kids and you as dad, get down on the floor and start doing push-ups. I guarantee you, if you have little kids, they'll do the push-ups with you. Because right. little kids do whatever their dad does, good or bad. And what you have just modeled is my dad gets PO'd. My dad is irritated. My dad gets disappointed. My dad's frustrated. But instead of coming home and slamming the door and yelling at people, my dad does push-ups. So wow. next time your child is melting down, right, instead of just yelling at us, get up off the floor, get down on the floor and just start doing some push-ups. And you will lead that child because I like leading to a place of contrition. I like leading to calm. You can't make strong-willed kids do stuff. They'll just resist. But now just modeled for my child, when I get frustrated, this is what I do. So that's a, I I don't even know if that's a soft approach. This is a very practical approach of just like, hey, I totally. So my language with kids, I talk to them in even matter of fact language. So I'll give you another example of being tough. So this is one of our famous examples when Casey was a little bit older and he was coming at me with that tone. And everybody knows the teenager, preteen tone, although now seven-year-olds do it. And so I have every right as a dad to say, young man, you're not going to talk to me like that. 
to your room for the rest of your life because that's all that ever happens. And now I basically sent my child away from the one person who has the actual wisdom to help them. So I began stepping back and Joseph, I would physically step backwards because for a while there, I was getting so irritated at Casey, I would step up close to him and do the guy thing, right? Like intimidation. Well, Casey, he's six, three now he's bigger than me. And so he could, I can still pound him because I'm a lot meaner than Casey is actually, but he, he, he's a big, strong, uh, he's a big, strong kid. And so I noticed when I started stepping toward him, I got really close to putting my finger in his chest. And with these kids, man, you can get really frustrated. And so I wanted a little bit of barrier. So I started pausing and I'd like to give dads, give you permission. You don't have to react immediately. Because it's, it's also a very Christian religious homes. Oh, you got to discipline promptly. It's like, but you don't have to discipline like in the half second after things happen. Because right. usually your initial reaction is usually wrong every time. My, mine is still to this day. My initial response is emotional. So I remember that time he comes to me and I used to always yell at him about his tone. And I remember one time I said, you can't talk to me like that young man. And my beloved son said, just did, right? And I didn't handle that well, wow. uh, but it was true. He just did do that. That's the kind of kid I had. And um, and I love him for that now. I didn't at the time. So right. this one time I stepped back, I take a step back and I said, hey, Case, I've noticed something. The last 47 times you've used this tone with me, what it's told me is you were anxious, you were frustrated, or you were hungry. So I got very good at identifying his triggers. Now watch what I'm doing. I'm teaching him. Hey, Case, I've heard this tone before. And listen, hear the tone of voice. Instead of me taking it personally, I can't believe that you would talk to your father like that. When I was a kid, if I would have talked to my father like that, I would have. Just makes you sound old, right? It doesn't, right? right? They're not going really to be like, dad, you're so filled with wisdom. Like, So I began to teach him and say, hey, the last 47 times, I've noticed a pattern here. Every time you talk to me like that, it's either you're anxious about something, you're frustrated, something didn't go your way, or you're hungry. Listen, I'm going to go get some chips. If you want to grab the salsa, I'll meet you out on the deck. I'll meet you in the basement. I'll help you with whatever you're struggling with. So there's a, a phrase which I know you've heard from us, which is motion changes emotion. One of the best ways to calm kids down is not to talk to them a lot. It makes them more angry. I get some movement. I get my job to do in that moment. So when I said, so here's how it unfolds. I hear the tone. It triggers me. I want to pound my son. I do. I would have been justified in pounding my son. You don't talk to your father like that. Instead, I take the humble approach. I'm justified, but I don't rely on that. I humble myself and say, hey, now I'm teaching. Casey, something else is going on right here. So I can also add this and say, Casey, two options right now. You may continue to talk to me like this if you want, because he can, but you're just going to lose all your stuff. It's just not going to end well for you. That's kind of like that assumed close kind of tone of voice. It's just not going to end well for you. I don't give a lot of energy to the negative. This is not going to work. He knows it's not going to work. But if you want to grab the salsa, I'll grab the chips, however you want to do it. I'll meet you out on the deck. I'm leading him through motion to a different place. I'm teaching him here. I'm wise enough to know there's something going on with you. We've got two options right now. We can escalate, in which case you're going to lose all your stuff, and then I'm not going to feel good, and we're going to be divided. Or we can do this thing together, and then I can help you with whatever you're struggling with. See, now I'm problem solving. It's what I do at the office all the time. Hey, sales are down. Hey, this isn't working. Your employee's not doing well. Just to walk in the office and say, hey, if you don't uh, pick up your game, you're going to be fired. You can do that. But I think what you're going to do first is say, hey, you're missing some skills here. You're missing some knowledge. Why don't we send you for training so you can get better at sales? Because I hired you for a reason. You can't fire your kids, <laughs> right? So, right? So I like that approach because it's not, it's not weak, but it's not strong. It's right there in the middle. It's uh, some humility. But it's also saying, I'm the grown-up here. I've got some wisdom. Hey, here's another one I do with kids all the time, especially as you get older. Hey, I'm going to run up to the store, grab a couple things. 
I'll stop at Taco Bell. We grab a taco together. Why don't you get in the car? It's a great way to have, talk with kids because you're not giving them eye contact. It's the reason I like, hey, let's do the chips and salsa. Why don't you come outside? We'll throw the football around. Why don't we go for a ride, a drive? Now I'm with my child and I'm actually teaching them. And then in a moment, my son, I'd be like, Case, what's going on? Why are you yelling at me? Dad, I'm just frustrated or it was he was hungry or he was anxious about something. Then I could give the fatherly, oh, totally get why you're frustrated. You should be frustrated by that. So using that tone with me in the future, it's not going to work. So how are we going to deal with your frustration? Now we can get to the root of the issue. And so I think as a guy, you can be tough. It's just you're being tough while you're under control yourself, right? We can we can be the platoon captain, right? We can be the military leader who's like direct. It's just that our tone changes and we're not out of control as men because I want right. us to be tough as men. We need that fatherly leadership thing, but I just tend to do it more. Uh, I, I've found humility just works really well with people of any kind. Absolutely. And I think what you're describing is seeking connection versus correction. Ooh, that's good. I'm going to steal and, that from you. I will give you sure. credit for that. That is good. Well, I don't know if I I don't know if I came up with it originally, but it's and the other one, of course, is they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's just leadership in general. You know, if if and I think what you're doing when you do that approach is you're kind of igniting something inside of them also, which is an opportunity to have them open up in a healthy, calm manner. Because as you're screaming and shouting, they're not going to tell you about the kid that was a jerk to them at school. <laughs> you're not going to control or correct your kid into greatness, right? It's just not possible. If we could, then all of our kids would turn out great because we can control things as men. Oftentimes, but we definitely cannot control our children. And so, man, that's really powerful. And so what you just did there is you talked about some sort of connection points and deposits, what I call deposits during times of calm, right? Because in the heat of the moment, nothing good happens, right? So we need to be quiet, be humble, walk away, let it, let it die out and then come back when everybody's calm. And so what you talked about is what I would call a deposit, which is an opportunity to connect with your son or daughter in a way that resonates with them, that's natural and normal, not fabricated, not like, here's the 11 things you need to do and you need to, you know, beat this into your brain and memorize 11 scriptures, um, which we've all probably tried to do that. But what are some things that in the calm times of our day with our kids, right? What are some things that we should avoid doing in order to build them up to be self-confident. Because I think words are powerful. And I think the way we talk to our kids, we talked about now in the meltdown mode. What about in the calm time when you're just driving to, you know, the store or you're just around your kid a lot? You know, it, we homeschool in my family, so we're around our kids a lot. And I try to consciously deposit into them words, right? Encouragement, life-giving words. So from what you've seen with parents, how do we build up our kids in those calm moments by making those deposits? I'll give you a good question. I'll give you three things. One is I would always be curious about them. I love the phrase, hey, I'm curious. Something's going on. Hey, I'm curious. What's going on there? What were you thinking in there? I'm, I'm curious as I want to learn and I want to come beside you, right? It's a lot different than uh, kind of the interrogation, what were you thinking? So I always like being curious about, uh, I'd encourage being curious about things they're interested in, even if those things kind of annoy you or scare you, right? Like even with their music, because most kids are not going to like the same music we liked and all. So I'm curious about like, okay, I get that you're listening to that. What, what do you like about that music? What resonates with you? Because you get a greater understanding. It doesn't mean you have to let them do everything, but the curiosity about them is a really good one. Um, I think um, one of my uh, things I focus on is affirm them for what they're already doing well, mm. especially a strong-willed child, because, and leave out the but. Hey, nice job with that, but, because that's a very dad thing, 
hey, nice job with your hockey game. My son played hockey. So it was like, hey, nice job with the game, but. And then once we go to but, then we tend to do, but you could do this better and this better and this better. With strong-willed kids in particular, they just shut down. I think most kids do too after the but. So I just watch what they're doing well, and I just simply notice it. Hey, I noticed how you handled that with your sister and you walked away. Shows me you're, shows me you're growing up. And that, that's it. Strong-willed kids sure, especially. Sure. Lots of planting of seeds. Hey, I saw how you handled that situation. It's really pretty cool. Little fist bump and then walk away. Let it sink in. Don't stand there awkwardly like, well, you're a good dad too, right? Or, or when dad, it means a lot to me when you affirm me. I just do, I'd say you become a seed planner and you just walk by your kids every day and you're like, hey, that was a really good job on that. When um, Casey played hockey, and this is kind of a key thing in our story. I grew up in this neighborhood with all these kids. I was hyper competitive athletically. So I wanted Casey to be like that, obviously. And he wasn't, he played ice hockey. And I remember this one moment, it was a big deal for me because I was not calm as an ice hockey parent because you got all this anxiety, you're paying all this money, you're in a cold ice rink, everybody's watching your kid mess up. It's a really intense sport. So I'd be up in the stands, like yelling at him, doing my fists, like you got to hit this kid, hit this kid. And I remember I was down along the rink, along the ice, and my son was playing defense, not well. And uh, kid skated by him, scored a goal. And my son skates by the kid and like taps him on the butt with a stick. And he's like, nice goal. And I was livid. I was pounding against the glass saying, you better put that kid's face through the effing glass. Like I was dropping the F-bomb at the rink. And it was, this was kind of in the moment, the time period when I was learning how to control myself. And what hit me was my son's not me. That's just not who Casey is. Exactly, exactly. And I had to release him. And this is a very powerful thing. I had to release him from being what I wanted him to be. Wow. And I had had to accept him as he was. It's just who he was. Because I would, after every hockey game, I had a list. Casey, here's the eight things I noticed. During your third shift, you didn't back check the right one. And he just shut down. And so... I just began saying, I pointed out the good things. And it was really interesting, Joseph. After a couple of weeks, he came to me and he said, Dad, I know there's a bunch of stuff I'm not doing right. Can you tell me a couple of those? Wow. See, see once, I, once I let go of needing to do that, then he came to me. Powerful. And it's, it's a powerful thing as a dad of you create the space, the environment, in which it's safe for your kids to come to you and ask for your wisdom. It's one of my favorite things about my relationship with Casey right now is he's a 30 year old man. And yet he calls me or we live kind of close to him now and we get together and he's like, dad, what should I do in this situation? And I'm like, that's so awesome. Powerful. Yeah. It's that, it's that creating the space for him to know that he knows he can come and I'm not going to jump down his throat. So for the next week, I know I'm giving you dads a lot of things to do in the next week. Sit, don't fix it. Sit, don't fix it. Uh, you know what, Joseph, let's do this one. You're in the midst of this situation. Your kids are expecting dad to come in with the iron fist, right? And instead you walk into the room and you sit down and you just start reading something and there's chaos exploding all around you. And you start being curious. Hey, I'm curious. What's going on? What are you frustrated with? And the kids are going to be like, what's happening to my, where'd my dad go? Exactly. (laughs) And now, even if you want to throw them off, say, you know what? Remember last week when we had this situation, when uh, you had a disappointing situation and you actually pulled yourself together. That was pretty cool. And you walk out of the room and you just planted the seed in there and watch how your kids react to that. And you'll find that parenting becomes a lot easier when you don't have to fix every single situation. And you become that dad that goes in there, kind of like Ward Cleaver, right? Like where you go go put your little cardigan sweater on as dad and go sit in the middle of the chaos and just drop little pieces of wisdom on them and watch them internalize it and say, you know what? You're a smart guy. I bet you know how to handle this. Or you figure, you know what? If you need some help, come grab me and even remove yourself. One of the biggest things you can do for a strong child is to give them space to learn how to handle it themselves. 
without you standing over them. And if I can throw in one more thing, I know it's slightly off topic, but I've got to do this for men. Dad's eye contact. But every man thinks if my son doesn't give me or daughter doesn't give me eye contact or disrespecting me. I can promise you with a strong-willed child, it's not disrespect. These kids are hypersensitive kids. And usually the only time we give eye contact is when we're correcting them. Look at me. Look, because no man walks in the home and says, look at me. Look at me, Joseph. You just made a good choice. I'm proud of you. Right? Right. So I want you to give eye contact when your kids are doing things well. Give them your intensity, positive intensity when they're doing things well. But when they're in the middle of meltdown mode, don't do the eye contact thing. That's why I tend to say, hey, let's go play catch. Let's go for a ride in the car. I have my best talks with kids when we're walking, when we're building on the floor with Legos, and I'm not looking them in the eyes. It is really intimidating for kids. And we talked about this before we went on. Men are, we're intimidating. We're intimidating with wives. We're intimidating with our kids. We're just, in, it comes easy for us. What sure. Only yesterday, I watched football. I love the amount of testosterone that is on a football field and, and the drama and the way those guys hit each other. I like that stuff. Our wives aren't like, hit them harder, right? Like we, we're just naturally like that. And that can serve us well when we have that under control. So I don't want right. to deny that part of us. I want us to be men in that full sense of it. But when I've got that under control, man, my words, and I'll stop talking. My words as a, as a dad, I believe are much more powerful than the words of, of a mom. I really believe that. I, I, can, I can destroy my son at age 30 in ways that his mother cannot. She could sure. say, Casey, you know what? You're a loser. And he'd be like, what are you talking about, mom? You're crazy. If I even look at my son the wrong way or say something like, hey, Casey, I'm really disappointed in how you handled that. Man, that affects him a lot. So I can use that power. So when I do need to, and occasionally Casey works for me, so I do twice a year. I give him the boss talk. I'm like, Dad, Casey, I'm no longer your dad right now. I'm your boss. And he's like, oh, crap. And I keep it short. And I say, I expect you. When I was a young executive, I was there before my boss. And I was at the office after my boss. This doesn't work that well with these millennials and Gen Z. But it works with right. my son. Right. And I said, I expect you to work harder than I do. Got it, dad. Got it. And that's all I have to tell him. But, and, but so guys, we have so much power. It's a really cool thing. I'll give you one more. Our tone of voice is actually an advantage with strong-willed kids. We are often capable of going with that um, a non-emotional tone of voice, even matter of fact, business-like. There's something about that tone of voice when kids are upset that is incredibly calming. Sometimes the mommy voice, oh, honey, it's okay. That's actually a very unstable voice in the moment. And as men, we actually have an advantage because this this kind of deeper uh, tone is actually very calming for people. And so when we can harness that and say, hey, I don't think you want to go there right now. That's much more calming than, you know, I can tell that you're really upset and let's some of those mommy talks actually create more instability and yeah. sound condescending to a strong-willed child. So use that tone. Hey, son, listen, you talk to me like that. Look, it's just not going to go well for you. It's not going to work for you. And they respond to that because I'm talking to them like an adult, like even if they're seven, hey, son, you got a couple choices right here. I don't think that one's going to work out for you. So use that to your advantage as a guy, it, because it's a very powerful tone. Anyway, I've talked too much, but no way, no way. We could uh, we could go part two, part three on this. This is really, really good stuff. I think you're hitting on some amazing things. I mean, the the biggest thing I'm thinking about is just the biggest roadblock I think for men, for fathers, is you know, it sounds vague, but opening up, right? Opening up to the possibility that their approach isn't working. Opening up to the possibility that maybe they don't have all the tools that they need to parent well, 
right? The tools of humility, the tools of grace and compassion and love. And I think the power comes in that, right? And humility really is opening up, being teachable, being coachable. And how attractive would it be, like I said, for a wife to uh, to notice her husband reading a parenting book or her husband is on celebratecalm.com, you know, soaking up all this knowledge that that you have for us parents. Um, so let's talk about that. You have dozens, maybe even hundreds of podcast episodes by now. You're on like, yeah, I don't, I, I think three there's or... like 300 of them. And I yeah. do occasionally I do them for dads. I'm going to leave the dad sphere to you, Joseph, because you're doing sure. an awesome job with that. But yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, yeah, we've got like 300 episodes. I try to keep them kind of short and practical. Sure. You know, here's a big win for your wife. Just in addition to asking one thing you could change. And I really mean this. If you were to come home and say, hey, I listen to this guy, Joseph, being a great father. Or I listen to this Calm Parenting podcast. Would you uh, listen to this with me sometime? I, I I have no words for how much that will mean to a wife. Her, right. Your wife's entire world is her kids, whether it should be or not. It just is. They came out of their womb or you're, you adopted. She, moms are always going to love their kids more than they love you, right? Like they're, they, they'll leave you. They'll divorce you, but they're not going <laughs> to divorce their kid. And so to, you know, for... It's like some, it's like your wife taking an interest in your job, right? Because we as men, like our jobs are really important. And when my wife would say, I appreciate how hard you work for us, that meant more than anything else to me. Right. So to come home, like you're, you're a home, uh, you guys homeschool. I always tell homeschooling dads, don't come home and ask your wife, like, Hey, how did the homeschooling day go? Because it was probably awful many days because it's hard. It's brutal. And then she has to lie and say, oh, we got all this work done. And your appropriate thing is to come home and say, hey, my four kids are still alive. Well done, honey. Right? Exactly. Like, and just tell your wife, like, I'm so glad that I that I do get to go to work or I, I get to do that. And I know that my kids are in your hands. Like you're, cause, cause exactly. at work, it's kind of easy for us. Like I can tell by how many people download my podcast, how I'm doing in my job, but a mom never gets, there's, there's no measure for how good a job she's doing. And moms always, always feel like they're not doing enough. So for you to come alongside your wife and come home and say, you know what? I'm really lucky you're here. It doesn't mean your wife's perfect and you're doing it all wrong because she's probably being too soft at times. She probably is probably because you're a jerk and you're too tough. And so she has to counterbalance you. Right. right <laughs> so, right. But if you were to come home and say, Hey, could we listen to this podcast sometime? And then um, help me with this. I, I promise you, you will see her eyes light up. She will start talking, telling all of her friends like, oh, my husband's listening to this podcast on parenting. Because I get, Joseph, my world is probably 70 emails a day at times, especially right after uh, holidays when parents are together with their kids all the time. But at least 25 emails a day from moms who are like, how do I get my husband on board? Right. And we're... We, it's not being sexist. We're the linchpin in the home. We just are right. as men. If I had one thing I could do to change the entire country in our world, it would be if I can get guys engaged and with humility in doing this parenting thing, it would change everything in our communities. Because the moms are pretty much already there. They're the ones who are listening and reading the books and trying. They're not always doing it right. But man, if we as guys got involved in it, we took an ownership of this like we do with our jobs and we're like, you know what? I've already I've built my career. Now I'm going to put as much emotional energy into being a dad as I have into building my career. Exactly. Man, it, and I can tell you as an old guy, I'm 57. So I'm a lot older than you. I'm older than most of your listeners. When I look back, like I was in a corporate world. I was a senior VP of blah, blah. I, was, I did all that stuff. Like Casey's not, he's not like, dad, you were a high level executive. He doesn't care about that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and nobody cares. That's why I like having friends. My favorite thing is all of my friends are like in their seventies because they know what's important. And right. it's the connection and relationships. 
And if you if if you're a guy, but my assumption is if you're listening to Joseph's podcast, you want to be a great dad. So you're already well along this path. I just encourage you in that. Keep doing it, what you're doing and working on it. It, it is more gratifying than anything else. Right. Your job, money, all those other things. The the thing with your kids is the thing that you're going to grow old with. So absolutely, man, that is, that is awesome. I a hundred percent agree. I think that if you're a father listening to this and you've gotten to the end, which is just about now, I think it would be so powerful to talk to your wife, let her know you've listened to a podcast that's got your wheels turning and you're excited to listen to it with her, set aside some time, maybe after the kids go to bed and listen to this podcast with complete intentionality, have a notebook and pen out and man, that is a way to connect with your wife because you guys are on the same mission. You want the same things. But oftentimes we get so caught up in the chaos that we don't stop and reflect and plan and strategize on how you can do it together. So that's your challenge for this for this uh, podcast like is that. to do that. And honestly, I think it could keep going. I think every night, I think your podcasts, Kirk, are about 30 minutes, sometimes 20, 20, 30 minutes. Anywhere between like 15. If I do one for guys, they're under 10 minutes. Well, of course. Because <laughs> exactly. I don't want the excuse, right? Like it's too long. I'm like, you've got 10 minutes, dude. Exactly. You can to this. Yeah, they're but pretty honestly, quick. how powerful would it be to listen to one of the, the Calm Parenting podcasts per night with your wife? I mean, it's so fascinating to me, the amount of money that we spend, whether it's through college or through through anything to learn right to get a quote unquote degree and then when it comes to parenting we're just going to wing it for 20 years like i don't want that to be me and so man we have to have a strategy we have to spend some money right and so i went on your website before this kirk and you have you have a uh, program that's under 200 bucks can you tell us about that in case some of those listening want to uh utilize that yeah, I, I I hate selling stuff. I'm not selling anything. It's just a resource. It's called the Calm Parenting Package. So yeah. there's like 12 or 13 programs. It's under 200 bucks. What I always tell parents, it's like the cost of one trip to a therapist, but you get right. about 35 hours worth of just really practical, good stuff. Um, and I always challenge dads because I'm a I'm a guy, so I'm frugal. I'm like, we don't, we don't need help with that. And then your wife's like, seriously, like you just spent like $600 on technology. Exactly. That, I'm not doing this because I'm in a stage of my life. I don't need to sell people and stuff, but I do mean this. I would do what Joseph is saying about like, Hey, let's dig in, honey. Let's listen to a podcast a week or whatever on a Saturday morning or while, while we're uh, watching the kids play soccer, do that. If you ever want our programs, I guarantee you, if you went home and said, honey, you know what? I'm really thinking about investing in this. Your wife will be like, wait, you're going to spend money on something to help our family. And I'm not joking with this. It it, it will reinvigorate your intimate life. It's a big deal for women to know, wait, you're putting your time, mainly your time, but your time and money into something that means more to me than anything else in the world, that's meaningful. Because we as guys, like I always did the thing, like uh, I would spend, because I was kind of the primary breadwinner, so I could spend it on anything. But then my wife would have to come with a budget of like, why do we need drapes on the house? Or just more right. open, you know, right? Like, why are you spending $43 on that? But I could go get the NFL package for $200 because right. that's what I valued. So anyway. But yeah, but if it's interested. Yeah, just listen to the podcast. The podcast is really good. Listen to Joseph's and we'll be a nice compliment with each other's. Absolutely. And the last thing I could think of when you were talking is how many, you know, work is work is hard. Life is hard. It's stressful, right? It's challenging. Parenting is hard. It's stressful. It's challenging. That's a fact. We could all agree. But I think as men, we often check out, right? We escape. And that might be through football, that might be through hunting or these things. And those things, as we talk about, are not in and of themselves bad at times. But think we need to check in, right? We need to check into this process and really put the time, energy, emotion, money into our quote-unquote parenting degree, right? Like the school of hard knocks is like, they don't want to listen to anybody, they just have to learn it all themselves. 
Well, let's not be that way as dads. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a reason. I don't think you're here for humor because I'm not that funny. And I don't think you're here for entertainment. I think the people listening are here because you want to be a better father. But to do that, you can't just consume this content. You have to take action. And so today we're giving you that resource. We're giving you another seasoned father who's been through the fire and has come out alive and his kid came out alive and they get along and they work together and they're changing lives. And that's what we want. We want connection with our kids after 18. We want connection with our grandkids and we're playing the long game. So it's easy to get discouraged on one bad day, but look at the big picture, look at a 20 year plan and know that there's a lot of tools that you're not utilizing that are available to you. So one of those tools is Kirk's Kirk's podcast, the Calm Parenting Podcast, and his website is celebratecalm.com. So Kirk, this was so great. I knew it would be, and you did not disappoint. You gave so many practical tips and tactical advice. So I just want to say a big thank you. Hey, Joseph, thanks for having me. Thanks for what you're doing for dads. It's uh, it's awesome. Really awesome. So absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to connecting with you in the future and uh, have a great week. Okay. Thanks, Joseph. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Fathers of Greatness podcast. If this has inspired you, please be sure to share it with three to five people. Until next time, thanks for listening.